The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. If you're at all like me, you must lay in bed in the morning and wonder, is our message being received the way that we're sending it? Is our communication working? And is it having the impact on our clients and customers that we intend? Well, to answer that question for us, Steve Sims. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So you uh, you are a notar- notorious uh, character. I mean, you're... <laughs> you, okay. you have... You have done some things that uh, are are shocking. Tell us, uh, tell us about this luxury concierge thing. I mean, if you got a lot of dough and you want to do something extraordinary, uh, I understand you're the go-to guy. That's it. Yeah, I had uh, I had two quotes in Forbes, an entrepreneur, which I've always found funny. One of them called me the real life Wizard of Oz, and the other one called me the Make a Wish Foundation for people with really large checkbooks. Um, I'm the guy that basically gave billionaires more interesting cocktail stories, such as sending them down to the Titanic with James Cameron, getting them a drum lesson with Guns N' Roses, walking the white carpet with Sir Elton John at his Oscar party, uh, attending some of the biggest events on the planet. Uh, I had a couple wanting to get married in the Vatican by the Pope, uh, closed the museum down in Florence, set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David because the client wanted to have an Italian meal in a really cool setting. Now, halfway through the dinner, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him. So I'm the guy that basically gave you really, really cool stories and experiences. So what is, uh, I don't know if you're liberty to say, what does it cost to do something uh, enormously exotic? I mean, I'm not talking about the kind of thing that, uh, this isn't flying first class here. You know, we're talking about something incredibly exotic. What does it cost to do something incredibly exotic? Well, it's it's not uncommon. Once I speak to someone, then straight away the retainer is one fifty. Um, so that's just a retainer. That's before we've even got into the nuts and bolts and what it's actually going to cost. So if you're getting a huge iconic name, and names don't like me to mention the price tags, but if you're thinking of someone as a headliner in the music world and you want them to come and sing in your barbecue and then maybe jam out with you on a guitar or give you a drum lesson or piano lesson or something like that. Then you're looking at anywhere between like seven fifty to one point five, and it goes up from there. Yeah. Well, I, listen, I, I've heard Beyonce flies to the Middle East and does a concert for a day, gets a million bucks, flies back. You know, whatever. Maybe it's more. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, but so how do you do this? I mean, you work your business managers. I mean, who? What, what is your? 
What is your Rolodex made of? Who's in oh, that Rolodex God. of yours? Yeah, well, first of all, no to the managers. No to the managers. Because any agent and manager, and both of us live in Hollywood, so we can talk about this. Um, both managers and agents care about the commission. They want the price to go up so they can get the commission. So that's a transaction. There's no passion in it. There's no care. They don't care about the story, the reason, the why. They don't care what's the dollar check. So you've got to get into the artist. You've got to get into the location. You've got to get to the person that can actually flick the switch. And the easiest way to get them to say no is to phone them up and go, hey, how much will it cost me for you to do this? No one wants to be a prostitute. No one likes solicitation. No one wants to be purchased. But if you contact them and go, hey, I want to tell you a story about this client of mine that has this uh, fantasy, this idea, this passion, and wants to create this experience for his closest, his wife, his kids, for his company, and would love you to be part of that story. If you can get someone into a story, then the price tag in the, invo in the invoice just becomes you know, one of the last things to discuss. So um, this, this has uh, enormous uh, business overtones to me. You know, I mean, listening, listening to this because uh, companies, if, if all you do is sell on price, you're, you're, you're in a race to the bottom, you know, to zero. Yep. And so, uh, you know, do you counsel companies at all on, on the same topic uh, for, for selling and other, other kinds of situations? I do. I actually do. Uh, I do coaching and I do training uh, seminars within companies. And at the moment, obviously, for COVID, most of them are virtual. But I actually do visit companies and talk them about what their tone, their voice and their message is. The bottom line of it is, if you are ever arguing with a client over the price, it's because you failed to demonstrate the value. So when you get to that point, it's done. You can't backtrack and go, well, hang on a minute. I forgot to tell you this was because people are price <laughs> conscious and they're focused on the bottom line. So you have to demonstrate all of the value to the point that the client goes, shit, I got to steal on this. And there are ways and methods to do that. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, that's that's uh, I, I fully I fully agree with you. The other thing is that, you know, when you talk about in, in kind of engaging somebody into your story, uh, I always think about that as cause. That, you know, you have to get both people on both sides of the table, uh, you know, to kind of see the cause of, of what you're doing it for. And that's kind of what, like, if you're going to call Elton John, you're going to ask him to do something. Uh, I don't know how you do it or whatever your story is. But, uh, you know, if you're going to get him to buy into something, there's got to be some cause behind it uh, that he would like to be part of. And, oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, be. that applies to salespeople, too. Oh, 100%. Look, bearing in mind, the, my ability to be able to text these people now for, and to get them to respond has been built up over 30 years. But I have always walked into every single relationship, whether it be a relationship that I've had for 20 years or a brand new one, I have always entered every single relationship with value. I've always brought something into the conversation. There's been a solution. Um, when I got the museum to close down for me in Florence, I, I got some people to make the introduction. We could talk about that in a second, about how you are introduced into an environment. But I looked at what do they want. I knew what I wanted. You see, here's the daft thing. If I phone you this afternoon at 4 o'clock uh, Pacific, you can be guaranteed of one thing. I want something. If your mate or your mum, if they phone you at any time during the day, you can be guaranteed they want something. It may just be a chit chat. 
It may just be an update. It may be some business advice. But if someone puts themselves out to you, they want something. So what you've got to do is every time you communicate with someone, say, hey, I wanted to call you. I saw you on the podcast this morning, and I wanted to talk to you about your sound system, your lighting, distribution. I've got a way that we can get you more distribution. Getting your foot in the door nowadays is dead easy. You know, we can get in contact with anyone, but being so irresistible and of value that they don't want you to leave the room, that's the real tip and trick. All right. So uh, so this is the show about the inside track. So what's the inside track to uh, getting them to want you to stay? All right, boy, let's do it. I'm going to play a game with you. I'm having a party this Saturday night, and I invite you to come to the party, and you say yes. What's your first question? What kind of booze are you serving? Brilliant. I'm serving cocktails. I've got a top-notch mixologist from Spargo going to be serving all the drink. What's the second question you need? Who's going to be there? Great. I've got some great celebrities coming. I've got some business icons. What's the third question? What's your address? (laughs) What's my address? All right. You, my friend, have just failed on every count. Do you know why? Because you you asked three questions which self-served you. I'm now sitting here going, for Christ's sake, I've invited Joel to my party, and he's just asked me three validating questions that selfishly lets him decide whether or not he's coming to my party. Now, here's one thing before you get upset about that. If you turned around to your wife or partner and said, oh, Steve's invited us to a party, what do you think that first question would be? What do you want to do? Or or, 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 I, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure. You try it. When you come off this podcast, try it with your partner, and I'll tell you what the answer will be. The answer will be, okay, what can we bring to the party? You see, the bottom line of it is, and I've used it, I've played that game with millions of people, uh, and uh, sadly, I always get the same thing. When well, you hopefully, want, hopefully, I'm not the only one who didn't pass the test. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. You are one of thousands, trust me. And, and I've and, done and by, this. And by the way, I was kind of being a little fun. I was kind of playing around a little bit. So hopefully that's not exactly my, the, you know. Don't get defensive. Don't get, <laughs> look, it's a, it's a common, it's a common reaction. Okay. Oh, who's going to be, what's That's an obvious, what's the address, you know? Um, but I've done this on stages in front of like 20,000 people and just pulled people out of the stage and asked them these questions. And they've always responded the same way. Um, The bottom line of it is most people go into a conversation because they want something. You go up to a celebrity, you go up to a business icon, you go up to a client looking for the deal. You want something. A salesman walks up to the guy or the girl in in the car showroom because he wants to make a sell and make a paycheck and make a commission. He's got a reason to get into that conversation. Every conversation you have... You need to turn up and you need to ask yourself, what can I bring to this party? Okay. So when you turn up to someone, you need to go, hey, how are you? Um, do you have a problem with a vehicle at the moment? Are, are, you, are you in the market? Are you driving? Is there an issue, the, the reason you're in here today? You'll get up and ask someone. I had a, um, there was a gentleman and he was on one of the seasons of Shark Tank. And I wanted to do business with him. He had access to something that I wanted. So I found out an event that he was going to be at. So I went to the event. I paid my ticket, got to the event, waited for my time, had a drink in my hand. I walked up to him. And you want tips and tricks? I'll give you exactly how I do it. You walk up to someone and you say, hey, how you doing? 
My name's Steve Sims. You don't know me. Now, let's, let's break that down for a second. Joel, how many people have heard this podcast and then gone up to you in the street or an event or a party and gone, Joel, how you doing? And just made out as that are kind of friendly with you. Uh, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> it doesn't. You think about the more higher profile you get and the more visible you get. It yeah. happens a ton. And yeah, I get people come up to me, especially after I've spoken on a stage, and they're like, hey, Steve. And I'm stood there going, who the hell are you? Do, are we friends? Have we hung out? Have we shared drinks? Are you a client? Yeah. All of these things are going through my mind which put me in a very uh, paralyzing state. Right. And I, I agree with you. You want, you want to, that, that's a form of courtesy saying that you don't know me. Don't, don't worry about it. I get it. It calms them down straight away. Yeah. And then the next thing I do is I hit them with the solution. I go, Hey, um, I knew I read somewhere that you were involved in a project. Well, it looks a great project, but I'm just wondering while I was looking through it, I saw three reasons it could go wrong. And I've got some ideas on how those could be overcome. Um, do you have a minute to go through that? And I said that to the Shark Tank, and the Shark Tank said to me, give me two of those reasons why this project wouldn't work. And I said, oh, I'm not saying it won't work, just a couple of hurdles that for me, being uneducated on the entire project, that I could see just on the surface, it was this and this, but I've got a solution. And the guy literally in front of me in a party started laughing at me. Now, there is no situational circumstance where that's a good response. And I'm thinking, shit, and I'm a big guy. I'm 250 pounds of ugly for any of those people that aren't fortunate enough to see me. And I'm being laughed at by a guy off a shark tank. And he looks over at one of his associates because he's got a couple of associates inside. They start laughing. And I'm thinking, well, screw this. I'm out of here. As I go to turn around, he grabs me on the shoulder and he said, no, no, no. We were running this project for three years until we discovered those couple of things this summer, and it caused us to completely stop that project. You've come up to me in a party and in two minutes recognized what it took me and my crew three years to determine. He said, now that project doesn't exist anymore because we saw that. However, I do have another couple of projects. Would you be willing to be retained to have a look at those? And I got two contracts out of them. You see, people want to be solved. They don't want to be sold. They want to be solved. So if you can go to someone and go, hey, I know that there's a problem and I have a solution for it. Would that be of interest? People want that. People want to have their problems solved. So be a solution not a sale. And, and, and open with value. I mean, that, that's, listen, that's what you're saying. It, it's that theme is consistent across the board. Uh, uh, very, very fun story. That, that is, that is really fun. So what, um, what kinds of, uh, what kinds of projects you getting involved with these days? What do, what are you seeing or what are you doing? God, my, my clients and the project, all of my, all of my projects come around a single circle of communication, messaging, tonality, and relationships. So basically, it's what is your solution? Whatever your product or service is, what is it that you solve? And then who is your avatar that you are the solution to? And then the middle bit is how to communicate it and bridge the gap so that when they're thinking of getting something solved, and a lot of people don't even know they've got a problem, how do you expose to them the problem so that they can determine and discover that you are a solution? 
the range of clients I'm dealing with literally are ranging from security firms. I've just taken on a vegan line of cosmetics. Um, I've got a car dealership. I've got one of the largest plumbing agencies in America. I've got coaching clients. Clients are actually out there coaching their clients. I'm coaching them on how to coach. It's vast. Real estate, mortgage, uh, anything where you need to have communication with someone, I'm in that business. And so uh, are, are you like, um, do you direct them into media like PR or, or what kind of coaching do you give them and what, what kind of help do you provide? So the first thing we do is we actually get them into a position. We find out is that position and that digital, we call it a digital footprint. How do they come across digitally? You know, it's, it's amazing. Just a simple tip for anyone listening this, open up your LinkedIn profile and open up your Facebook profile. And do you recognize the same person? Quite honestly, on LinkedIn, they'll be sitting there with a buttoned-up shirt and trying to look all very articulate and you know refined and business-like. And then they get over to, to Facebook, and it's like girls gone wild. They just think, well, I'm on Facebook now. I can be in my, you know, my wild shorts, and I can have my T-shirt off and have a Mai Tai in my hand. They, they confuse the client. So the first thing we do is we look at that digital footprint. How do they show up? Where do they show up and what message are they giving off? And, and, and just, just to be clear, um, because businesses look at Facebook. I mean, people forget oh. that it's, it's out there. It's public. Uh, you may think it's all for your friends, but it's out there for, for business colleagues to see as well. And, and it's, it's very problematic because it's so public. So just to reinforce what you're saying, I agree. Oh, 100%. You see, there was a time when you used to say something like, well, Google me. You don't do that now. You know, if you want to know about someone, and I'll give you a perfect example for anyone listening. If you're going out and you're having dinner this Saturday with Jimmy, and Jimmy says, oh, my, my buddy from high school's coming into town, uh, and he's in the town for the weekend. Do you mind if I bring Brad along with me? You're going to turn around and go, oh, well, if he's a friend of yours, maybe I'll make a new friend. Yeah, bring Brad along. How many of you now go on to Jimmy's Facebook page Look up who Brad is and then do a bit of rabbit hole to find out what Brad's all about before you meet him on Saturday. Close you to 100 close to 100% of us. Yeah, we don't Google anymore because your website is where you've got a slimmer picture and you've got your your trophy closets of where you appeared and what media you've got. It's just fine-tuned of you. It's your puff piece. But to really get to see one somebody you get onto the Twitter, you get onto LinkedIn, but most of the time you get onto Facebook because you've got a combination of all of that friends, all of that statements, unlike on LinkedIn when you don't have that kind of single page layout. So we use social way more than we use Google and any kind of other search engine, okay? So first of all, we identify what you stand for and there's often a disconnect. What you think you're portraying and what you're actually independently portraying are sometimes disconnected. So we refine that first of all, and then what we do is we use different media platforms to get you out. This may be getting you in blog articles, it may be getting you on podcasts, it may be getting you print, it may be getting you as a presenter at a local award show. You know, whatever it takes to get you raising your profile so that people can dig into you and find out about your tone. And as you said it right at the beginning, your cause, your why. Why do you do what you do? That's what a lot of people want to know today. They don't just want to know, what do you do? Why do you do 
what you do. There's a lot of that involved nowadays. And so we've got to be able to put it out there. There's a lot of massaging that needs to be done. And people really don't know how to fine tune their digital uh, footprint. And here's the final thing on that note. When you're actually focusing on who you are, don't try to be someone you're not. Focus on yourself and understand there is a huge difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand. Mm. You know, uh, let's expand on that for a second. Easy to understand, impossible to misunderstand. Where's the line? How do you know uh, which one, which camp you're in? How do you, how do you figure that out? Well, usually you get hold of someone that's got some kind of uh, peripheral communication and connection with you, and you ask them. You see, far too many times, and it's always good, like when you're in a relationship. When, when I'm in a relationship with my wife last night, she's brushing her teeth. I'm brushing my teeth. We're having a conversation, which we're going, because we're so in tune with each other, we know what each other's saying. As a business and an industry, and as a sole proprietor, as an entrepreneur, as a sales coach, whatever you are, what you think you're saying may not be received in the same context. So you've got to understand it's irrelevant what you're saying. It's relevant to how it's being received. So it's usually good to get someone on the outside and just go, this is my sales program. This is my blog. This is my uh, bio. Just take a look at it and come back to me and tell me what you think. And maybe sum it up in three sentences, what I stand for. You'll be really surprised when they come back and they go, well, you do this, you do this, and you stand for that. And you may go, well, I don't really, st- I like it, but I don't stand. For- but the way you termed it is open for interpretation. Brevity is king. Always keep bios really, really short. Always lead with a problem identifier that you then reveal that you're the solution to. But I understand that it's the recipient that's important. You see, people talk about branding. You can't brand. There's a big myth out there about people going, well, I I focus on branding. Bulls do you. You may focus on brevity, so it can't be misunderstood uh, like Nike and Apple, but branding is not what you create. Branding is what people say about you when you've left the room. That's the important bit. Yeah, I've, I've heard that before, uh, that, that that's, that's what branding is, that when you're not around, it's, so it's, it's kind of the impression that you've left on yep. people. So what, um, you know, when you talk about uh, brevity, you, you, know, you talk about leading with a problem, uh, you know, because you're talking about really, you know, adding value, the solution, the whole thing. Um, do you work more with salespeople? Because this this seems to be so imperative for salespeople. I mean, it's uh, salespeople, I, I think most of the time just don't get this right. They don't know how to add value. Maybe they get nervous. Uh, do you have any suggestions for these kinds of people? Yeah. So I work with the communication industry. So I'm never going to work with Amazon because no one's ever going to phone up Amazon and go, hey, I'm thinking of changing toilet rolls. Which ones do you suggest? Amazon doesn't have that conversation with you. So Amazon is a transactional-based service. So all of my clients are communication-based. So I work with a lot of service providers like construction firms and plumbers, car sales, yacht sales, jet charters. And then I also work with people 
that are in branding and marketing to refine their voice. I also work with lawyers and accountants because accountants know all the answers, but they don't know how to translate it in simple, dumbed-down version for us people to understand what they're saying. So I work with anyone that's in the communication industry, and it's a widespread. But I would say that it's all about communication and focusing on the end solution. And by if you can give someone a solution, you now generate a relationship. In order to give somebody a solution, you kind of have to have a sense about facts and circumstances. Yep. So uh, to, to what extent, how much information do you leak out uh, without knowing exactly, is there a formula for this about, you know, like when you, when you walked up to that guy at the shark tank, uh, you know, at that party, uh, you had pre-planned, you know, something. Oh, that was six months ahead. I, I had him in my, I knew what he was involved in and I needed to be involved in it. And I think that was about six to eight month process. And then I finally found out where he was going to be. So that was a laser focused attack. Right. So, so that, that was on purpose, but what if you just meet somebody randomly or you get on a sales call and they lay something out. What's the kind of language that someone should use to to start to kind of create or deliver value even before they're engaged so that an engagement can go further? Ask them why. It's the most confrontational and aggressive word out there for some reason, but it's also the best word. So why? That three-letter word gets down into the reason and the creation and the cause. So if you actually ask, if you have a sales call with someone, you can actually say to them, hey, Joe, why are we having this conversation? What's the problem? You know, if someone's in a car dealership on a Saturday afternoon, hey, I see you here on a Saturday afternoon. It's a beautiful day outside. What makes you want to come in to look for a car today? You know, ask them why. Ask them the reason, and they will leak it out and listen. A shallow plug for my book, Bluefish and the Art of Making Things Happen. Best thing since Harry Potter. In that book, I actually, <laughs> I actually say, ask why three times. Um, I've actually got an example, which is another story, if it's okay to, to spend a few minutes on it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So in my past life, I had this concierge firm. And uh, about five years ago, I started working for Elton John. I worked for him for about eight years on his Elton John Oscar party here in Hollywood, one of the greatest events and causes out there. And I had a guy call into the office, and one of my team got the phone call, and she contacted me, and she said, look, I've got a guy on the phone, and he wants to meet Sir Elton John. And I went, okay. She said, but something's wrong with him. Can you chat with him? I don't know what it is, but something's off. So I went, yeah, put him through. So I'm at my house. I'm not in the office. I take the call, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? This is Steve Sims. How can I help you? He says, yeah, yeah, I want to meet uh, uh, Sir Elton John and get a selfie. I went, okay, that sounds great. Yeah, you know, why do you want to do that? And he says, well, you know, he's an icon. He's a living legend. He's, he's going to die, uh, die soon, and I want to get a photograph of him on my desk. This is exactly what he said. He's going he's gonna to die soon. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, um, anything else? Ugh. No, no, how much is that going to cost me? So I said, okay, well, let, let me find out, and then I'll come back to you. And I hung up. Didn't take the guy's name. Didn't take the phone call. There was no way in the world I was going to let that guy anywhere near a relationship of mine. There was no cause. About a month went by, and one of the girls phones me up from the office. She said, hey, you remember that guy? Because I spoke to him about it. You remember that guy who wanted to meet Sir Elton John? I went, yeah. And she said, well, we've got a guy on the phone now 
He's from New York. This other guy was from New York. He sounds very similar. I'm wondering if it's his buddy phoning in because you didn't come back to him. So I went, oh, put him through to me. I'll get rid of him. So I was prepared to get rid of him before I even spoke to him. So the guy gets on the phone. He says, hey, how you doing? I said, oh, I'm great. You know, I said, uh, how can I help you? What do you want? He said, yeah, I want to meet up with uh, Sir Elton John. I want to have a, a, a chat with him. I went, oh, that sounds great. You know, I said, uh, why do you want to do that? And he went through very similar to the last guy. He said, well, you know, he's a legend. He's an icon. You know, he's Elton. You say Elton and everyone knows it. He's just one of the, one of the greats, you know, one of the last few. And, um, well, you know, there's, there's things. Now, if he hadn't have finished with that, there's things, I'd have probably got rid of him again. But Chris Voss from Never Split Your Difference teaches us to actually drop into your midnight DJ voice. Match the person's excitement and then just lower it a notch with a question and see if they follow. So I said to him, I said, oh, that's fantastic. You're right, Elton, he's an icon. He's a legend. But what things? And the guy went quiet. And then he said, when I was a kid, my dad used to take me to school. He used to pick me up from school. Never my mum. My mum would always be there to wave us from the door. But she, he would take me to school and take me back. And the car that we had had a cassette player in it. And there was a cassette jammed in. It could play, but we could never eject it. And it was Elton John's greatest hits. And my dad would sing all the way to school and all the way back from school. And I would. We would both sing our lungs out to Elton John's tunes there and back. This went into our second car where he had a CD player and his first CD he bought because we always sang Elton John was Elton John's greatest hits. And we would sing all the way to school and all the way back. And this went into early high school before I got my own car. And he would still sing on the way to school and on the way back, even while I'm looking out the window, refusing to sing just like mortified that my dad is still singing after all of these years. And I would get out of the car and quickly slam the door so that no one could hear Elton John blaring out or when he would pick me up. He said, now, my dad died about 20 years ago. He said, now, I'll be driving to a meeting, driving with my wife, driving with the kids. And Elton John had come on the radio. And when he does... For the next three minutes, my dad is sat in the chair next to me, singing his lungs out. I want to say thank you to Elton for bringing my dad back to me at random three minutes every week. Now, wow. what, that, what, a, what a story. Wow. Oh, I will tell you now that was that was like years old. And even today, I still well up when I hear it. I actually got straight on the phone with Elton John's camp, told him the reason, told him what needs to be done. Again, no mention of money, but told him everything. And for a donation to the charity, which this guy was more than happy to do, I was able to get them to meet at Sir Elton John's Oscar party in Hollywood. He lent in. I could not hear the story because it was in the party. But as soon as they both started to well up and I was trying to lip read a bit, and then they hugged and they got a It was beautiful. I could see the connection and the communication. And he was actually there to thank him for giving him his dad back for three minutes. That's what you get when you dare to ask the question, why? You know, it's uh, what's what's so extraordinary about that is that um, 
you know, you just have to remember what's in it for the other person. And, you know, it's, it's not always about us. It's our tendency. It's our nature. You know, when that's kind of what we're made of, but uh, you know, you have really reminded us how important it is to think first about the person on the other side of the table. Uh, and, and it's, and you've done a marvelous job of it. And, you know, we, we, on this show, we always look for the inside track and the inside track to brilliant communication really is about the other person, not about yourself. It's about giving, not getting, and, and really, uh, you know, when you think about it like that, that's the best, smartest and fastest way to make anything happen. And, and I, I deeply appreciate you sharing those things with us. So uh, thank you for being on the show. And, and, and this was just this, what a wonderful conversation this was. I've enjoyed myself. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen, Steve, nice to, uh, nice to talk to you. Bye. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Autovita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audivita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com. Produced by Audivita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.